Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and today we're doing a very different episode because it's episode 50. Yay! And in this episode, I have some friends of the pod. I have new friends coming on, but I couldn't do this episode without Jason Kerr. It would be impossible. It would be impossible for a strange yellow pumpkin to become a golden carriage. <laughs> so here I am sitting in my own little corner <laughs> with you. <laughs> yes. And we're here to, you know, banter Two sisters and lamenting. Yes. Sorry, I, I had to keep it going. <laughs> yeah, it's possible, sorry. though, that we can, we can do this episode. Uh, Jason is going to be my co-presenter oh i'm so honored and so a while ago i came up with this idea for my 50th episode since it's a milestone to talk about musical moments and non-musical tv and film so i had people vote for their favorites and they were four categories which were movies group numbers movie solo numbers TV group numbers and TV solo numbers. Got it? Did I confuse anyone? No? Yes. Not I. I want to say it was like three and a half weeks. People voted. And we got down to the four winners. And they are, I put a spell on you from Hocus Pocus. Ooh, as the group number, obviously. That's my favorite. The Diva Dance from The Fifth Element. Home from Pose. And The Best from Schitt's Creek. Not simply the best, the best. Uh, yeah, more. <laughs> I, I'm holding I, my tongue because we, there's there's things that we that I want to talk about, but we'll talk to them when we get there. Well, let's start with I put a spell on you as the first one. It won for a favorite musical group number as it with should. the Sanderson sisters. As and in past episodes, I have had two of three women who portray the Sanderson sisters in their own videos. Um, They have a, they are part of the dead man's toe productions. (laughs) That's hilarious. And before shutdown, before pandemic, they were doing live shows, but since the pandemic, they were doing online content. And so I had to, interview them to talk about I put a spell on you so let's have a listen of that we're with the Sanderson sisters from Dead Man's Toe Productions Ariana Armand Lauren Gismondi and Amanda Lee Myers so anyone why do you think it won this category I mean it's Bette Midler come on guys true there's a certain amount of iconicness about it I think especially now that it's been almost what 30 years since the movie premiered that it it has a cult following and people get really excited about it it's one of those songs that it's I, I mean in the movie it's amazing and they got choreography and there's a whole scene happening and then Beetlejuice if you take that song and just try to sing it anywhere else that would be interesting whereas I put a spell on you holy crap you can rock Anytime, mm-hmm. anywhere, really show off. Uh, it's yeah, it's a classic. 
I mean, for this poll, I did fudge it a little bit because technically they are not singing it in Beetlejuice. Some they are oh, that's true. singing. True. But I think maybe that was also it. Like Ari- Ariana kind of touched on it where the, it's them singing. It's not yeah. a record that is somebody else. Yeah. I mean, but, it's been amazing because you know, prior to doing Dead Man's Tour productions and pro- you know, I've been doing Winifred for a while and I did <laughs> the, the only performance that I have done since the shutdown was Halloween this year in a gay bar as Winifred in the whole drag and let me tell you, I have two tracks, one of them which has no background vocals and one that has background vocals. I just assumed since I was me by myself, bring the track with the background vocals. Oh no, because those gays, not <laughs> only did they know, not only, not only did they know every single backing vocal, they knew all the dialogue that was happening in the scene. And I got all of it back at me. <laughs> and it was fucking amazing. <laughs> Well, I love that your audience was your built-in backup singers. That is yeah. fantastic. I was like, okay, next time we're not bringing the track with the background singers on it, because it was pointless. Right. <laughs> so In fairness, you, all... you didn't know. <laughs> so have Sorry. you all actually listened to the original original song, I Put a Spell on You? Yeah. You're talking about Nina Simone, right? No. Oh, no. She oh. covered it. Oh, yeah, so there you go. I put it was a... Screamin' Jay Hawkins. Screamin' Jay Hawkins. He wrote it in 1956. Originally, he was supposed to make it as like a refined love song, and then apparent, allegedly, producer Arnold Maxson got them all drunk, and it got weird. <laughs> as it often does, I guess. <laughs> Where at the end of the song, there's some grunts and snorts and whoops happening, and it's a little weird. It's on YouTube. Go listen to it. But obviously, in 1993, Hocus Pocus, they didn't do that. They, they were a little cleaner, if you will. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but what? It's like a big Broadway show tune. What? Is, what are y'all relations with Hocus Pocus? Like, how many times around Halloween do you guys watch it? I mean, I pull it out. I watch it several times because I'm, I'm looking. I'm trying to like refresh the mannerisms and the speech patterns, and that you know, and and making sure that I'm adapting that when I perform. I put a spell on you, trying to remember as much of what's in the film and doing it as accurately to that as I can, though I am not not a dancer. I do not do choreography. So. <laughs> but yeah, a, a lot because it, it's, it is, it's so iconic and you want to get it right, you know? I feel like this is one of the, one of the few songs where the lyrics work with the story that is going on. It's not like Glee or sometimes Smash where they're like, it'll work. <laughs> we'll make it work. It, it involves the dad or whatever. No, this one, like, they actually put a spell on the parents. Do you know, like, what the words to the spell? I always just mumble whatever I I feel like I, I hear. Whenever it gets I back. say entapai, alpha maybe appendai, yep. incoma koreama, hey, say, <laughs> hey, hi, hi, say, I think I flipped that around somewhere because it's really weird to just- Hey, say bye bye. That's it. Bye bye. <laughs> is that is that like a real? Have you guys done like like looked into it? Like, is that a real language or is that just? No, that's just the vowels and the and the measure. It fits the beats. That's <laughs> it's just like bippity boppity boop. Pretty much. I think it was just from the mind of Kenny Ortega and the writing team. 
that's my most educated guess. And it sounds like it's Latin. So there you go. I mean, it's yeah, not, it's, but it could be. It's faux <laughs> Latin. That's what it is. <laughs> so this being a Disney movie, though, I'm very surprised that it's a non-musical movie, technically. I mean, it has this moment and then Sarah Jessica Parker singing Come Little Children or whatever the that song is. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it should have, it could have or should have had more music to it. Am I wrong in saying that? I don't think it needed it. Like the story, the story moves the way that the story moves. Uh, I mean, they're talking about doing a Broadway production. We'll see, um, which obviously will have more music added to it. But I think as far as storytelling goes, it didn't need it. And if it hadn't been Bette Midler, I don't think it would have had it. That's a good thing to look up. I wonder if they would have done the song if Bette Midler wasn't the, the star of the movie. But yeah, I agree. I don't think it needs anything else. I think it is perfect the way that it is. And any more would have turned it into something that might have been a little cheesy even maybe. And right now it's so solid. I'm very curious to see what's going to happen if and when it does become a fully staged production. Even more so now knowing that there's a sequel coming out in 2022. I am plagued with curiosity more than anything else if I'm being really honest. But yeah, there's this, there is the sequel coming out. Do you think they're going to pull like a revival of the song or something? Oh, they have to. <laughs> like, I mean, there, there will be fans up in arms. It's not heard at some point in the film. I'm, I'm sure it, it's, it's its own thing now, even outside of the movie. As a bonus end credit scene, I think. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Girls United singing the song today. At the mm. end of the movie. Don't leave it out of the movie. Let that be the first movie, but I want to I wanna remix at the end. <laughs> I could do dance. I could do, I put a spell on you, the dance hall remix. I, I'm here for it. Technically, you, we do hear the song twice in the movie, where it's performed by the band at first, and then that mm-hmm. gives mm-hmm. Winifred the mm-hmm. idea. But obviously, we're talking about the Sanderson version, because that's the one that has like millions upon millions of views on YouTube and the part that everyone just like rewinds over and over again when yes. you're watching it. So y'all saying I put a spell on you in 2020 for an internet video. Is that correct? Oh yeah. Were you all trying to copy the movie or did you all want to like put your own little spin to it? I think we all kind of do a combination of our own takes on the characters I'm not an impressionist. Um, I'm I'm a decent mimic, which I think is a little bit different. Amanda is fucking ridiculous as Sarah. <laughs> like, like I think of the, of the three of us, I think she's like got the total package of being almost identical to what you see in the movie of the three of us. I, I think Amanda's kind of like guys. If you haven't watched our little movie yet, I mean just. We've actually got a, a music video clip that we pulled out of Amanda just doing uh, Like a Virgin as Sarah Sanderson. If you watch nothing <laughs> else, oh my God, please go watch that because it's <laughs> it's the most ridiculously amazing, fabulous thing ever. Uh, and it should have been in the original movie. Uh, so I, th- I think we all kind of do a combination of as close to the film characterization as we can but with our own little twist on it i mean you know lauren and i have like gone around new york city in full hocus pocus drag and interacted with people (laughs) we walked into the whole foods outside of bryant park 
and went around, this was in October of 2020, and we went around asking the the people who worked at Whole Foods where we could get dead man's toe. And they went along with it and <laughs> they played the counter. And we kept looking, they're like, well, we have sausages instead. I mean, it would like people really got into it. And I, I'll say for myself, I just go full stupid because mm-hmm. that's my, that's my strength as, as a performer is, is walking the line between ridiculous and sublime. And this was just, well, we're just going to go full ridiculous. Because that's what these these people are. They are witches, so by default, they're going to be outsiders. And then they're trying to interact in this modern world. So how do they get by with their past knowledge? And I think that's where kind of... Larger than life personalities. Yes, exactly. How do they function, you know, we take away what they know? And that's kind of where the fun and the clowning of it kind of all exists. I don't know if that answers your question, but that, there's a tirade. A I, lo- tirade I love it. I, I love that you all like made it your own. And at least uh, Ariana and Lauren got a chance to like improv in character. Uh, Sarah- <laughs> Amanda, did you get a chance to like run around your town and play Sarah for a second? I don't know if I would have felt comfortable doing that on my own. I don't think people would have gotten what was going on. <laughs> and I wish I was there. I'm so, people the whole time were like, where's Sarah? Like, Yeah, everybody asked there. where you were. Everybody yeah. wanted to know where you were. Sarah's on vacation. <laughs> I wanted to be there so bad. That would have been so much fun. And of course, anytime we're back together again, that will probably, that'll probably occur. Now yeah, that and stuff. We will probably get back out there together and mess with some people. So, what made y'all want to do the video? So I think I put something up on Facebook about how I was upset that you know I wasn't going to get to bring Winifred out this year, and people started commenting, going, well, "Why don't you do something online?" And I was like, "Would anybody watch that? What?" And so I messaged Lauren and I messaged Amanda, and I was like, "What do you guys think?" And Lauren is freaking genius and wrote us a a script that made sense and again you know amanda was like in another city because covid (laughs) and we couldn't have her with us we're like well how do we make that work and lauren made that work and we came up with something that you know i'll i'll put up against pretty much any other you know parody group doing hocus pocus sanderson sister content and and say you know what we we definitely hold our own with this I got lucky with these people and, and you know, our, our, our friend Sierra, who is not on this podcast, who, is, who acts as our producer. Um, and editor in chief. And editor in chief. I couldn't do this without you guys and I love you so much. Aww. Uh, <laughs> great team here. And yeah, Sierra is great. She really uh, pulls it all together and, yeah. and makes our crazy little uh, clips work Sierra's the one who's like just do it and I'll figure it out later yeah the first one we did was definitely like guerrilla style filming like it was just like we're gonna see if this works and now you know we have a few other actors involved so we're kind of now I guess I would describe it as building this world of these people Mm -hmm. stuck in quarantine in modern, you know, in today's time. And now we have like all these other people that we're introducing into the universe. (laughs) And the the biggest thing being is they need to be, you know, a little bit more normal, I would say, than 
the core cast of characters. And that's where, you know, that's where the comedy lives. What happens when you put order and chaos next to each other? As things are opening up now, and they should be open by October, we are available to come to your party. Um, we, will, we will come to your party and sing the song and get out, or we'll do you a little skit. We'll come to your gay bar and sing the song and do a little skit. I mean, whatever you guys want, you know, we are available. Uh, to circle back to the the sequel, um, yes. obviously they're going to fan. They're, we want them to fan service us with "I Put a Spell on You." Do you think there is another song though that they could put in the movie that would work? Given now that there's been thirty more years of songs, <laughs> Lauren is she is Lauren. Lauren, Lauren has a emphatically. list. I don't have a list, but I have one song that I think they, that would be absolutely killer. It's Get This Party Started that Pink did, but I want them to do the version like um, Shirley Basie, where it's sultry and it's like, yeah, this party started on a Saturday night. And I'm like, yes, give it to me, Shirley. (laughs) That's what I want. Could you imagine Kathy and Jimmy singing that? Yes. (laughs) Sorry, I can sorry. Imagine her, her like with the fourth the mouth. I mean, I'm here for it. I just did the face, guys. You all can't see me. You can hear me, but that there was that. <laughs> I have. Let's forget that. I have one that I want to throw out there that I just thought of when I was asking the question. Disturbia by Rihanna. I mean, I did that. So yeah, we already oh, did, that. did do that. Oh shit! <laughs> I did. You could see me you rolling around the leaves. I I watched it, it's, but it's been so long. It's okay. <laughs> we'll go back it's and watch connection. it again. Subliminal connection. Back I mean, there. if they do take it, will you guys sue them or just say thank you and like make sure that they get your card or something? A royalty would be nice. Like, <laughs> everything is copyrighted. I mean, except the right. songs because we did the, we had to make sure they were under a minute so that you know the massive record companies won't come for us. Right. Only samples. Samples only. <laughs> I feel like exactly. Sarah, I feel like Sarah would be very into like modern like how like dance music and like mm-hmm. that's what she would sing. <laughs> oh my god, like, bad what is it? <laughs> Doing like some Billie Eilish, like bad is it bad guy? I'm the bad guy, yeah. Yes. Oh, she should do bad romance. Ooh, that would work too. <laughs> I, I'm sensing that we're gonna we're we're making a mashup mega mix here for them. Maybe that'll work. You're you're helping us write our next. Uh... I'm a, okay. So if if they don't take these songs, well, you guys should do these songs first, and then you could be like, uh 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 uh. <laughs> it's it's frustrating because we were talking about doing a sequel years ago, which would have been a lot of fun. Where Danny was going to NYU, and the witches like hunted her down at NYU. And obviously they can't do that now. I, I do think I've heard they're planning to set it in New York. For, oh, you know what? I just read something that they're, they're filming in Rhode Island. Like I just read something like like two days ago. They're, they're going to be at least filming partially in Rhode Island. Interesting. Um, so road trip, guys. Uh, I mean, go crash that set. <laughs> yeah, Rhode Island. There's parts of Rhode Island that are a little haunted. So I can see it. Like the closer you get to Newport. Yeah, I see it. Okay. Well, my fellow witches, we've come to the end of this discussion. Mm-hmm. Is there anything, though, that you want to plug, promote? Well, since, since we are, like, getting closer to Halloween, please 
go go find Dead Man's Toe Productions on uh, on YouTube. And if you haven't already watched Bring Us to Life, a Hocus Pocus parody, um, please do that. Um, <laughs> leave us a nice comment. Um, I'll, I'll go rewatch it for you, ladies. Go rewatch it. Yes, if you if you have watched it, watch it again. Um, share it with your friends. As, as I said, we are available for private parties, so please call us. <laughs> well, does Dead Man Toe have socials? We do. We are dmt.prod on Instagram. Um, that's probably where you'll find it. We're kind of quiet right now, but I'm sure things will start popping up there as we get closer to Halloween and as, as things come on. Um, so that's probably the best place to reach us. Basically, I think the biggest thing is I want people to see like what we've been able to do with nearly no money and then watch it and go, hey, I like what you guys are doing. How can I help? And those are some ways you guys can help. You know, I love, a, you know, please write us, please book us uh, because, you know, we're hardworking individuals and we're trying to, you know, create stuff that is that has a foundation in, a, in pop culture and build on it. So, yes, please book us. And what are your personal social medias that you want to plug? Just uh, Amanda Lee Myers on Instagram and Amanda Lee Comedy on Twitter. L-E-E. And Myers is M-Y-E-R-S. I need to spell those things out. <laughs> it helps. And I, I am uh, Lady Aria. L-A-D-Y-A-R-I-A with an underscore at the end of that. <laughs> because some horrible person is holding Lady Aria without any extra thing hostage and doing nothing with that account. So if you know that person and you can tell them that they should give me Lady Aria, I would appreciate that too. <laughs> okay. Well, you can find me at Lodges underscore Sings. That's at L-A-G-I-Z-Z underscore S-A-N-G-S. On Instagram, I don't do Twitter. I have anxiety and Twitter only adds to that. And I guess if you want to find me on Reddit, <laughs> people follow people on Reddit. I'm at G-I-S-M. 7090 i guess if you want to get mad with me over the masked singer (laughs) i get very upset i'm really invested in celebrities and singing it's the main topic of conversation (laughs) well thank you again ladies that's really interesting you guys had a really had a lot of really great things to say you you talked about stuff that i hadn't didn't really think about first of all 30 years ago I, I don't even. I remember like, when when it came on Disney uh, on the Disney Channel, and I watched it. So <laughs> I forget how old it is. But it's such a, <laughs> it's still such a good movie. It really like, is. Like even it, it holds up. It does. Well, listen, camp usually holds up. That's true. I mean, it it's it it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's funny. It's the. I mean, Bette Midler in her element. In her, this is what she does. It was built for her. Now, and have that, you watched their videos yet? Uh, I haven't. I didn't know about them until I until I looked to, to, to this clip. They're so good. <laughs> oh my god! I can't. I, well, I'm I'm going to listen to them right away as soon as we finish uh, this episode. I, I I actually can't wait. Boom! More subscribers <laughs> for them. <laughs> Up next is. The song oh, from The Fifth Element. Now, you've yes. seen the movie, I'm assuming. I did. And I actually, when, when I saw this on the list, I was elated. 
I because again, I love this film, and this is one of the things that we that as 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 kids. I remember watching this. You know, again, this is another movie from my my youth, my from, teens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember talking about this, and and I, I, at the time I didn't even know what the Queen of the Night aria was, and so we were just like, oh, who is this? Who is this woman? And she's going in in this movie. It was great. So I found an opera singer named Mary Hangley. Yeah. She's based out of San Francisco. And I wanted to talk to her because she is a soprano. And so she would understand the soprano-ness of the, of <laughs> As the a soprano aria. would. Let's listen to what she thinks about it. So I'm here with Mary Hangley. She's an operatic soprano based out of the Bay Area. And I don't know. She's very knowledgeable about all <laughs> things opera, I hope. All things opera, uh, <laughs> maybe not. But some things opera, definitely. So I told you about the voting process of this. This mm-hmm. was a front runner and it was in the final round, it was pinned against I Need a Hero from Shrek 2. Have you seen that movie? <laughs> yes, but I can't say I remember I Need a Hero Oh, it's, from Shrek 2. It's the fairy godmother, and she okay. sings it in a very spectacular manner. Ooh. But this, uh, the diva dance from The Fifth Element beat it. Like, obviously it won. And I mean, that's why we're here. Right. Yeah. And so the fifth element, which you just watched. Just took the VHS out. <laughs> it was still hot. It was a VHS. Ooh. No, no it ah. wasn't. <laughs> it was it was a prime video. Well, I mean, it could have been a VHS because it came out in ninety seven. It did, uh, yeah. The screenplay was by Luke Basson and Robert Mark Kamen, story by Luke Basson and directed by Sir Luke Bazan. Now, this was your first time viewing it, right? Yes. I had heard the Diva Dance. And fun fact, like 10 years ago when you could download ringtones, I was like, I want an upper ringtone. And um, <laughs> it was like a little snippet of the Diva Dance, which I didn't know what it was. I just thought it was this cool robot opera thing. But it, it was the dance part, I'm assuming. That you yes. Did. Yes. It was not Lucia. It was the dance part. Yeah. So the... The Diva Dance. Music is by... Mm, okay, so his name, it, it, when I Americanize it, is Eric Serra. But he has like an uh, an accent on the E for Eric. So is it like Iraq or something? Let me, let me pull it up. Um, and I can help, I think. <laughs> You're better oh, at that. So that's accent aigu. So uh-huh. the E, so uh, it's e- Eric. Eric, 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 Eric. I'm assuming he's French too because Luc Bassan is French and I'm saying his name Americanized as well. Luc. <laughs> Luc. Um, yes, he is French. Eric. <laughs> I'm, oh, it's going to get old real fast. No, it's uh, fine. You're fine. You're great. I found on the Wikipedias and things like that, mm-hmm. Eric wrote this so that it didn't sound human. And mm-hmm. it was original, but in the movie, it was sung by Invamula. In Have you heard of her? I had not heard of her, but I looked her up as I was watching this. Uh-huh. Uh, and nice career. 
lots of great roles that she's she was known for and the roles that she had had sung perfectly align with the voice needed yeah. for the diva dance she's an albanian soprano mm-hmm. when she looked at the according to what i found online uh when she looked at the music she was like i can't do this nobody can uh so she <laughs> recorded the jumps separately it seemed like from what i read ah okay like i also read that she recorded each note separately but i was like that doesn't seem right well the part there's one i don't know if we want to get into this now if we want to pull it apart jump around and do whatever okay um there was one part where i was like okay this is clearly she recorded each note and then they played it on a keyboard it was the part yeah the the part that i like to call the flute part ah i think i (laughs) yep i think we're talking about the same part yeah 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 where where it's staccato notes all the way Mm -hmm. down and up a little uh yeah it's it's pretty cool and the writer wrote wrote this on purpose eric eric i'm gonna say (laughs) i'm gonna say eric 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 did it on purpose (laughs) but apparently you can sing this because uh, the first person i found (laughs) is in 2008 her handle on YouTube was Disney Diva 7. Disney Diva 7. Uh-huh. Okay. Her Loving name, that. Her Loving name that. is Laura Workman McMurrer. Mc, oh, crap. Zoom in because I'm blind <laughs> as a bat. McMurtry? 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 I guess that's how you pronounce her last name. Disney Diva 7 um, made a video of her singing just the dance part, not the Lucia part. Mm-hmm. And then Jane Shang yes, sang Yes, I've it. seen that one. Yeah. And then there's been numerous other people. Yeah. But I wanted to give a shout out to Disney Diva 7 because she did it like seven years before Jane Shang yeah. did the concert. Yeah. Do you think you can sing it? Oh gosh, I I was wondering if you could ask this question. I mean, obviously not right the second, but right, like right, right. that time to train and Okay, um no, because I top out at F natural, which is the high note the queen of the night sings. Bum, okay. bum, 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 bum. And so I think this needs like a G or an uh... A flat and um no. So no, that is not in my wheelhouse, but there are plenty of super talent. I've got friends, so I'm like, I know they can do this. And actually for, so the voice type that would do this is a coloratura. It also has to go pretty low. So um, perhaps it could be a dramatic coloratura. Lyric coloraturas, I'm sure, have those notes as well. The yeah. low notes are not a feature, really, of this um of this piece but there are definitely voice types who can do this who it might actually be easy for just want to say that <laughs> so you can do probably like 95 percent of this yeah you yeah if i had to gun to my head yes <laughs> <laughs> no i i mean yeah um with some uh notice and, <laughs> and practice yeah just the super super high stuff you obviously know Il Dolce Suono. Yes, I do. 
Why do you think they picked that song, mm. that aria? Okay, so that's from um, Gaetano Donizetti's Lucia di Lamamor. Yes. And um, it is her entrance aria. And it is, first off, I think they picked it because it's a super well-known, in the opera community at least, coloratura soprano aria. And it has a mad scene. Um, so it starts off with the slow part, the cavatina. And then we don't hear the um, Italian mad scene. We hear the alien mad scene. So I think they picked that because they knew it had a second part that is crazy and fun and has vocal fireworks. So Eric Seurat wrote his own to complement it and to sort of fit in with. I'm sorry, vocal fireworks? <laughs> that's what, yeah, that's what they are. I didn't know that that oh my god that's my new favorite phrase <laughs> oh yeah i mean there are lots of different types of vocal fireworks you know that's what that's what coloraturas are known for oh mm-hmm. high fast singing um lots of tricks that makes sense with like the little opera i know mm-hmm. i mean i'm not i have dealt with operas in my personal life and on this podcast uh-huh. but like yeah, I, I could see what you mean by the vocal firework, the bam, 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 bam. bam. Yeah, ba, 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 da, da, ba. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's Especially, that's not and, something every opera singer can do. And even like the like you mentioned, the Queen of the Night, mm-hmm. her famous aria. Yes, yeah, like that sustained note. That uh, 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 yeah, I know I'm not. Mm-hmm. I wasn't on key. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I don't have perfect pitch. I'm not but, bothered. Yeah. So you think that they picked this because tone went with what else was going on in the scene with me? Well, uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's form wise. That's exactly what would happen next. It, it, that type of vocal show story wise. So Lucia, this, this is her first aria, but at some point in the opera, she kills a man and comes down in a trance and she's covered in blood. And I feel like I sort of saw that. Whoa. I feel like I saw, sort of saw that. There it is. <laughs> it's hard. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. When, oh man, what, how do you pronounce her name? The diva in the movie. Uh, the diva Plava, something like that. Plava Laguna. Okay. Plava Laguna. Um, Plava Laguna. Who, fun fact, at the time was Luc Bessard's wife. Yes. I read and, that. And then he he left her for, for Mila Jovovich. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. neither here nor there. Yeah, well, that's a different podcast. Um, when she is shot, she kind of does this like arms out type thing, and and it just sort of like I feel like every Lucia who comes down the stairs in the opera when she's covered in the blood of the man she's killed, she's like, "Look what I've done." Oh, I didn't kinda. even pick up on that. Yeah, I just I I love this movie for decades now you know I'm came out so in 97 i watched it like, i didn't want to rob you of the experience <laughs> just talking about the song like you need to see the everything in context there's a lot of things i like about it yeah, yeah and like the diva is actually a bigger character because she has the yes. stones in her and yes. blah 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 but that's not really what we're here to talk about yeah <laughs> um have you sang uh, El Dolce Suono? Not really. I played around with it. Um, so your voice is a part of your body. 
and right. it grows and changes with you. So when I was younger, that was definitely a piece that I would play around with and, and work on, but I never presented in an audition or in a performance. But it's it's when it's done really well, it it is captivating. In your opinion, do you think in Vamula, like, did Il Dolce Suono just did it and then she did the dance part the um hip hop fireworks part i guess <laughs> you want to call it one note at a time mm. in a way or broke it down into like different takes uh, definitely def there were definitely takes done because that's just what happens when you record something classical it's so right. different than a performance you you will do takes there will be splicing but I I think there are parts that she actually sang some passages all the way through. There are also parts that you can sort of hear the auto-tune-like quality that they use to make it sound less human. And... Or even in the first part. Oh, no, no, no. Not in, not, I'm so sorry. I'm so oh, sorry. Oh, okay. I, I no, meant I, like... Do... I think she's saying... You're talking about the Lucia part. The Lucia part, yeah. Oh, no. I think I um, she very well could have sang it right. A to Z. And then, and then they did the fireworks part, or they could have spliced up the the first part. I I didn't hear anything that sounded like it was a completely different take. It's not the whole first half. It is truncated. Yeah, because I've I read that the mad scene is obviously longer. Right. And the mad scene actually, I made a mistake. The mad scene is later. This is just her first aria. Um, the second half, though, is a, a fireworks show. It's super great. <laughs> <laughs> now that you've seen the movie, and I told here, here are some other people, other things on the list that I had. I'll go back to, like, the uh, quarterfinals, I guess. Okay. Um, why, uh, so we have the Diva Dance. We have uh, Why Don't You Do It Right from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, Jessica Rabbit song. That is, mm, love that. Surprisingly, a pocket full of sunshine from Easy A lasted in the corner finals. Okay. <laughs> um, and then I need a hero from Shrek Two. So <laughs> that's so funny to me. Like I went, I went through the gamut. And why do you think people picked this one? Picked the diva dance. It's so cool. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> just so cool. I mean, I think opera's cool, but to really see a superhuman version of opera uh, with the character, with the costume, with all of the fighting that's going on, you know, the juxtaposition of yeah. the singing and the fighting, I think is so cool, really nicely timed. I just, yeah, it's just really cool. <laughs> and you know what? It's really interesting to actually see somebody sing the song that's happening during a fight scene because usually in a fight scene they could use opera they could use just music they may use a pop song but mm-hmm. it's noise that the uh, only the audience hears not right. the fighting right. and so with this one you have like you said the juxtaposition where we flash back between the two scenes and obviously Lilu played by Mia Jovovich does not hear the diva singing or she could who knows who knows on this spaceship (laughs) but like for us the audience it's fascinating to see the jumps and then like the diva does like dramatic moments because she's totally parking and barking 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is a concert. This is not a show, a production. And by parking bark, I mean, for those of you who don't know, I mean, it's like she stands in one spot and moves around. Maybe she takes a step here and there, but like not. It's all torso. It's all torso and hands. Cause there's that one, there's that one moment where she does like a run, the, the, the deep part. If you, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she moves her hands and things like that. Yeah. I have this scene memorized. I... Oh, do you want to, do you want to sing it? No. <laughs> I top, I top out at singing. <laughs> okay. Only, only my shower. And certain individuals hear me sing. Okay, all right. <laughs> and if you listen to the podcast, fun fact, you can hear me sing in the intro. That's you? That's me. Oh, how nice. That's me singing. Uh, she, <laughs> she had to warm up a little bit for that. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to, like, mention about this? Like, I mean, I, I do want to say that it is, as you can see on YouTube... It can be done. It can be done. I have not I have not scoured YouTube, so please forgive me. I have not seen an opera singer opera singer um attempt it. Well, isn't um Jane Sheng an opera singer? Um so she's using a microphone. So my first inkling is no. But I need to, I need to, I don't want to, I'm not trying to throw shade. So, um, Um, I did, I listened to that a while ago. It's been a while since I've. So she is a Chinese singer songwriter. Um, but she certainly has the range commonly found in lyric coloraturas because they've got to get up into that stratosphere and she does it quite easily. Yeah. She's got to like. I got the balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If she had them, that's what she's doing. That's definitely what you need yeah. to do. In I, order I, to sing. I think she's more of a singer who can do opera rather than an operatic singer from what I'm seeing on her Wikipedia page. Mm. I, I mean, I know I'm thinking of a friend of mine right now who might have already done it, but I know she can do it. So there there it, it can be done yes it doesn't have to be an opera singer obviously no? as we see mm-hmm. so i'm pretty sure disney diva seven is also not an opera singer <laughs> well, I mean, she is a diva so who are we who are we to say <laughs> she's i mean she's a diva but she's not an operatic diva i'll say in my opinion, from what Divas I get, come in all shapes all and styles. Sizes. Yeah. Thank you, Beyonce, for teaching us that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we've come to the end of this segment. Right. Is there anything, Mary, you want to like plug or promote? I want to promote opera in general. Ooh. If you like the diva dance, you will like opera. And maybe not even opera. Go see a classical voice recital. Just go witness the human voice live, and I promise you will you will be touched in some way. Do you have like um, a performance coming up? Do you want to like plug your personal Instagram, or do you oh. have like a website or something? <laughs> I do. So my I'm Mary Evelyn Hangley, 
when I sing. Um, so my Instagram handle is meth soprano. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, one word, yeah, and, meth soprano. Yeah, one word. And I um, didn't even like say it out loud before I did it. And then I was like, oh. <laughs> um, so yeah, not, COVID has, has robbed me of my, of my performances. Um, so we're trying to build those back up. So if anybody needs a soprano. <laughs> um but yeah uh just go when you can when it's safe when you're comfortable go witness the human voice live and surprisingly opera is in more than what you think i mean they oh. snuck it into this but it's in commercials it's mm-hmm. in it's everything. everywhere i promise you everywhere everywhere so listen to some more opera yeah and then do you have like a website or tiktok while we're here and do i don't have a tiktok sorry but i do have a website maryevelynhangley.com well mary thank you for this conversation i should have you come on like a regular episode like cool yeah okay so a uh, little disclaimer after after that <laughs> mary did say that the mad aria was lucia's first aria she would like to correct herself by saying that it's not lucia's first aria in the show she just got caught up in the moment while she was talking it happens it happens sometimes there's shows i've I've done fully and i fuck up you know the little things because you get excited so we don't fault you for that. We don't fault her for that. But she was very helpful with coming with the, the opera side of things. Yeah. There are things I, I, I didn't realize. It, it, that was really interesting. I just love it when she called it fireworks. And I, it is. I, I never equated it to that. So it was, uh, it was just beautiful and everything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what did you think of, like, I mean... That one had to win for for its category. It had to. It's so it's so um, virtuistic. Is that the word? I don't care. Yeah. That sounds beautiful. Yeah, it's so virtuistic. It's a little audacious for the movie that it was to just throw that in there. Now looking at like the winners, it's interesting that the two movies uh, categories are things from the nineties. Well, because, I mean... It's so ingrained in pop culture. There was great art being done then. There was money. But the TV shows (laughs) are from the late 2010s. So they're very recent. However, the people who are creating those were prominently influenced by the 90s. Oh, oh, yeah. Prominently. I mean, mean, we'll get to it, but, but 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 the... the one that I'm in love with, uh, I mean, it takes place in the 90s. And the scene takes place in the early 90s? Are you talking or about maybe? Pose, dear? I am talking about Pose. It's in the 80s, I thought. This particular scene? is I, th- I think it's the early 90s. I this thought season scene. one was in the 80s. Was it season one? Or was it season it's two? season one. Oh, is it? Then I'm totally wrong. The, the, the third season is the late 90s. Right. Which but, I still oh, haven't watched yet. Wait a minute! It's really, I I don't have cable. <laughs> I'll give you my login information, Miss. But pose season one, 
This is this is okay. I I didn't real I forgot what season it was, so I misspoke. So yeah, for, forgive me. I got in touch with a person in the ballroom scene because Pose is all about ballroom, yeah. and I mean the song itself at home when it happens isn't part of like outreach uh, per se from ballroom, but like I wanted to learn more about the ballroom culture and the modern ballroom if you will and and so i got in touch with spinderella not the um, i was gonna say you make that make that 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 distinction i'm making that distinction not the dj from salt and pepper who's fierce yeah, let's let, let's have let's have them listen because I, I I I actually enjoyed hearing her point of view. I'm here with Spinderella. Hi, a New York City based costume designer slash drag queen. Yeah, destroyer of worlds. Destroyer <laughs> of worlds. Yes, we're here to talk about the song "Home" that was featured in the show. Pose season one episode six called Lo- uh, "Love Is a Love Is the Message." Mm. Home was written by Charlie Smalls and from the musical The Wiz. Have you seen the show The Wiz? No, I haven't. And literally before I got on this call, I looked up like all the renditions before, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna do some kind of research on like where this came from because literally. I thought this song was by Whitney Houston and like, and it, because that's the only adaptation before Pose that I was familiar with. So I was like, oh yeah, the Whitney song. And oh no, like, man. Oh, wait, it goes deep. It's been around. You haven't lived until you heard the original from crap. Uh, I don't remember who was starred in the original John future John edit it here. But, it, uh, Stephanie Mills. Stephanie Mills, if you haven't heard her version of it, you also need to listen to the Miss Diana Ross version of it because she was in the movie. Oh, just now. Yeah. So the Stephanie Mills one, really intense. Like, that is like, it's perfect, like, talent show material because it's one of those songs that, like, the whole audience will be crying and, like, giving a standing ovation if you really kill it. And then the Diana Ross version is like this cerebral. I never watched the movie The Wiz. So I don't know if you've seen it. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's just a shot of her face with like stuff. Like it's literally like an acid trip while she's singing and just crying into the camera. So it's the song that she sings, obviously, when when Dorothy is going home. Aha, mm-hmm. fun. But, and it's like the end of the show and everything. So you go through this journey with her and then you follow her on that emotional journey where she's like, I I didn't have to leave. I was strong all the time, everything. And so it kind of working its way into pose, it kind of works in a way. Because it's emotional. I'm crying. Everyone's crying. So in this episode, it was written by Ryan Murphy and Janet Mock, directed mm-hmm. by Janet Mock, and premiered July 8th, 2018, which didn't seem that long ago, first of all. But I also forgot that since this was season one, there was a lot of, like, Evan Peters and Kate Mara. Cool. I, yeah. 
I forgot all of that straightness that's happening and, <laughs> and rewatching the episode, I was like, oh shit, that they did. There was a lot of that where like the gayest season of American horror story ever. <laughs> but then season two, they got rid of all those straight white people. So I haven't seen season three yet. I'm looking forward to it. But you were on the show? Is that true? I was. I got to do background for all the ballroom scenes in season one and season two. And I remember being a part of it, especially with season one, We a lot of the ballroom community was very hesitant about it because we didn't know what it was going to, what the results of it were going to be. Because I think Pose really began the set off of like, ballroom into the mainstream consciousness in the 21st century like in the way that Madonna kind of made ballroom relevant in the 90s by having Vogue come out we didn't have like a real moment where ballroom broke through into mainstream media unless you like watch America's Best Dance Crew and remember the group Vogue Evolution that was probably the first time anyone had seen Voguing on TV were you actually on this episode? Was I? Did they have a ballroom scene? If there they were some, a few ballroom scenes. I did every scene that there was a ball. So there's actually one really cute shot of my ass going up some stairs. Like <laughs> <laughs> at some point, we gotta look at. We gotta I'm look like at yes. Screaming queer number like seventy five. But one thing I will say, kudos on the hands of Pose and the casting. Pretty much everyone on set for the balls was from the ballroom community. If not, we were the majority. So a lot of the reactions and um, the ad-libs that the audience does at the balls in the show are real. There's a clip, I think it's in the first season, the episode where Candy is having like body troubles and she does like the padding and gets injections. Oh. The moment where we were at the ball and I go chopped and the camera caught it. So there's like a one second clip where the camera's on me and I'm like, chop her. Like, and that was just like authentic. So it's full of like, and I think that's why Pose feels so real because it was for a lot of us. Yeah. I believe one of the categories in this episode was like masculinity realness I, I don't remember the exact <laughs> words. I know I'm I'm so Matt, I'm so white right now. Executive realness. Where um oh executive realness? No, Ricky won for being like a um, masked man. Boy. I'm trying to think. Oh no, Ricky. It might have just been body. Something like that. But it was it was well. So he won, and then Poppy won later in the mm-hmm. episode. And this is the episode where Pray Tell plays that one song over and over again. That was the message. Yeah. So you were probably also sick of it that day. I mean, that is definitely an anthem for ballroom. Like, Love is the Message is right up there with the Ha Dance. I think the Ha Dance is Masters at Work, but I forget who made Love is the Message. I think the South Soul Orchestra. Sure. Why not? (laughs) But um, I'm very happy that they included that song and made it so prominent because it holds a big significance for the ballroom community. And it's even the name of the episode. Love is the message. Mm -hmm. But in this episode, Pray Tell's 
boyfriend is dying of AIDS and that's where we get the cabaret in the hospital. And a question I wanted to ask you because you are part of the ballroom culture. Do do people in ballroom today do outreach something like that where like they'll go to LGBT homeless shelters or something like that? Totally. I mean, it's person to person and house to house, but um, an interesting thing, especially now where there's so much voguing media out there and people are like, oh my God, I want to be in a house. Oh my God, I want to go to a ball. Where do I meet these people? Why have I never heard of this before? Um, A lot of people who are in the bomb community kind of grew up alongside the community because a lot of the ballroom community is actively engaged in like LGBT centers. For example, the, I don't know if it's a, if it's specifically a youth center, but the LGBT center on 13th street in Manhattan, uh-huh. they have a program once a week. I don't know if they still do, but that's how I kind of met people that was called snap. And it was like a mock ball that would happen every Friday. So it would be like young kids in high school getting together, like, and just f***ing out and like throwing a ball for themselves. And I used to go to that and that was how I began to meet other queer youth. And then those things evolve into those kids that were a part of those programs growing up and, you know, getting jobs at these organizations. So a lot of... um, Ballroom is centered around activism, especially with the biggest ball in New York City, the Latex Ball, um, is sponsored by, I don't know the exact organization, but it is a sort of benefit of sorts that raises awareness for HIV, for AIDS. A lot of balls, you know, promote getting tested. A lot of balls will have testing sites at the ball. So yeah, I think ballroom and activism go hand in hand. Wow. I, I've always wanted to go to a ball. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, it's- baby, the time is nigh. Like there are balls everywhere, especially, should I plug one right now? If you want to go and t- to tell your audience. Tell us about balls. Go right ahead. You want to know about balls, sweetie? Um, <laughs> um, every week there's a ball actually at $3 bill in Brooklyn called OTA, which stands for open to all, which is a category in ballroom. Open to all can be, just means anyone is allowed to walk. There's open to all performance, runway, face, so all that. So the party is called OTA. It's every Monday at $3 bill. And yes, go there. You'll probably catch me over there if you want. And it's kind of, um, it's a good gateway into meeting people from the actual community, having a ball happen right before your eyes without it being, I don't want to say intimidating, but um, without feeling like an outcast. I would say this is very welcoming to people who are interested, you know, and want to see what the real version of what you see on TV is, you know, as long as you're respectful and respect the space, you know? Right, because has ballroom changed since the 80s, since like it's first created? Of course. I mean, everything evolves, you know, Um, just think about the state of the world that we are, that we live in now. That's true. (laughs) Um, There's not this plague. Well, there's a different plague now, but um, you know, we're not directly being affected 
the same way as we were in the 80s. People aren't, you know, I don't want to say that. I was going to say people aren't, you know, living with their houses because everyone's getting kicked out of their homes because that's not everyone's situation. Some people still totally are like that, but it's less likely now, you know, and there's so much to be gained from being a part of ballroom now, as opposed to in the 80s, it was being an outcast and it was, you know, finding this group of misfits, not even, I don't even like saying that, but, you know, finding a marginalized community and being safe in that versus now you can take what ballroom gives you and give it to the world and become famous. So to bring it back to home, um, <laughs> sorry, this is all, this is all great, but I was just like, Ooh, we should talk more about the song itself because yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, I, so how it came that this is a song that we're talking about is that on my social media, I had people vote for their like favorite musical moments in non-musical TV shows and movies. And Mm. this one won for the group category because I called group category more than one person because Billy Porter joins MJ Rodriguez towards the end of the song. So I counted it that way. It was up against some other heavy hitters like the name game from American Horror Story, which is another Ryan Murphy joint. There was also Miami from the Golden Girls and I Want It That Way from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But Home was the winner. Why do you think people picked that out of all these other songs? Um... I don't know. No, um, <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, out of para me, me personally, I would have picked home too. But that's because I'm a young queer person, so that speaks to me. So I think it. it I think it speaks more to who your audience is. So maybe they that's identified true. with that song the most. A close second would have been like the name game because I think that's just like a funny moment. So I think it's just whatever your flavor is. Like I felt impacted by the performance of home you know um and i remembered it which i am surprised that it happens in the middle of the episode it Mm. seems like such a finale number that i thought it was like towards the end but no it happens right like smack dab in the middle and then there's more heterosexual stuff and then um it ends on a balls uh ballroom scene where pray tell changes the song from love is a message to i'm coming out which is mm-hmm. a diana ross song mm. and in my head i was just like oh maybe that's why they picked home to be in the show because they were going to end on another diana ross ish song mm. Ooh, i mean but that's just me thinking i mean <laughs> yeah i mean why home at all like where is home that's what that was like the question that came to mind the last time I was watching like where are we returning to where are we yearning to go back to like what is this home so while I was re-watching it I think they picked that song because around this time MJ Rodriguez's character is dealing with her being positive mm-hmm. and we're in the AIDS ward AIDS HIV ward of the hospital and she actually looks at there's a moment in the song and this is when I break down 
you know, ugly cry, mascara running, all that, when she looks at somebody and mm-hmm. you kind of get, you read on her face that like, oh, this could be me. And I'm just ugly. Cry- I'm about to cry now thinking about it. <laughs> you said that you watched a lot of different versions of mm-hmm. home. Did you watch the one that Christian Chenoweth sings? No, I'm trying to imagine her singing. So on a, on the other Ryan Murphy show called Glee. Oh. Little little known show. I don't know. <laughs> Christian Chenoweth oh, God. sings Home at the end of an episode. And I think that's why I thought Home on Pose was at the end of the episode. Mm. Because she wails her voice in that one what was the mood of the glee one existential dread like pose or was it like no it was just her living out her fantasy because her character wanted to do an all-white version of the whiz you want to talk about problematic (laughs) That (laughs) that was her lines somebody wrote that down and then she sings home which i mean christian chenoweth songbird beautiful but she ends it on such like she goes up the octave at the end and it's so operatic and you're like no this is it oof yikes that's gonna be a yikes for me dog i i mean <laughs> i mean i love glinda well glinda, we'll leave it at that <laughs> glinda but i don't know about I don't know if that's the song for her, but I think it fits MJ's voice amazingly. I've told this to friends of mine and I don't, I don't think it's a read at all. If anything, I think it's like the highest praise. Like there are moments where MJ's voice reminds me of Michael Jackson. She has this kind of like eighties, like soul to her voice. If you're aware of like her journey, like, MJ played Angel on Ren, I think, off-Broadway, and also had another appearance where she worked alongside Billy Porter. She'll correct me if I'm wrong. Someone will. I don't know. Um, But how these bitches don't know. Anyway, yeah, so she's been singing, like, these theater songs for a long time. And I think it was just a perfect pairing. I really wanted MJ to win some kind of award for that performance. Oh, my Um, God. Her and Billy Porter. Like, you said it, it also fits Billy's mm-hmm. range as well. Yeah. Oddly. I mean, Billy Porter is good for these, like, very strong, like, power ballads. Like, Miss Porter loves a power ballad. And I find it so funny that I think in the new Cinderella that's supposed to come out, she's going to be the fairy godmother. I am, and, like, that is so perfect for her. Like I am stupidly excited just for that i don't care about the rest of the movie i just want to see billy porter and that fabulous i don't know what to describe the outfit as but it's fabulous and you know what's funny about billy porter too and diana ross to home um billy porter ends up coming out in drag i don't know if that's the second season or not like looking like fucking diana ross (laughs) like post something with diana ross they just i don't know I, I feel like her music was influential for, like, the 80s ballroom culture. So maybe that's why they're paying respect to that. Yeah, totally. I mean, we love a diva. We yeah. love a diva. 
And it, I don't know if I'm right in saying this, but I feel like this is the first episode of the series where people are singing. Because like you have Billy Porter, who was on Kinky Boots for forever, and then he's had a career, obviously, prior to that. MJ Rodriguez is another one who's had a musical career. So it kind of seemed fitting that they were going to do. I think it's something that they were planning to have happen at some point throughout the season. Yeah. They knew that the two of them would do something really nice. And I'm glad that they gave that moment to both of them to share instead of just having one or the other do it. Yeah, because in the second season, they up it a little bit where there's more uh, of the characters involved. It was a great one, and I don't know if there's another musical episode in season three. Well, like, Miss Murphy loves, she loves she, some music in her series. She will get the rights. She does love it. Is there anything else you want to talk about when it comes to Pose or Ballroom? Not necessarily. I mean, no. unless you have any closing questions. I do have one. Is there anything you want to plug or promote? I'll promote me. You can catch me on Instagram at um, Spinderella So Fab. That's Spinderella, Spin, duh, D A, Rella, R E L L A, So Fab, S O F A B. I perform in Brooklyn a lot. Sometimes for the right pay, I'll be in Manhattan. Um, yeah, so come out and see me. Follow me on Instagram so you can see all the gigs. Um, come to OTA at $3 Bill on Mondays if you want to like go to a real ball in real life and have your cherry popped. Um, you might see me. And if you do say hi. I will be on the lookout for you on uh, at $3 bills for sure. And again, thank you so much, Spinderella, for coming on and talking about this. It is truly, it was truly lovely. And um, I don't really know how to sign off because this is like a segmented show. So we're just <laughs> going to end the recording right now work thank you babe so jason yes miss have you been to three dollar bills on mondays i haven't i didn't know about this and i, I am know so elated yeah. because for years i've wanted to go to a ball but for me it feels like it's underground like you need to know somebody who knows yeah, somebody but like that's the that's the for me that's that that's the excitement of it like right but i know nobody so ah okay 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 have you been to a ball? I haven't. I knew some people who were uh, of the ballroom scene, so um, and I, and I hung out with them in my earlier years. So I learned by like like through them what 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 it was. And of course, when we went out, they were voguing. It was amazing. My good friend Alex Francisco, I will I like I will never forget you voguing in the bar. Like just shame. It was amazing. He's amazing. He's amazing. Pardon me. Pardon me. She's amazing. It has. How long has it been since you watched season one of Pose? It's been a while, right? I watched it in real time. Do you remember? Do you remember like your emotions during Home? I remember thinking how lucky MJ was to to sing with Billy Porter. <laughs> also, how incredible they both sounded in that, uh, and how well. And I I think that that song is so appropriate for that show because when you actually find your tribe as us gay people are generally looking to and especially at that time when families were were kicking people out of their homes 
when you right. finally find your tribe, it it's a feeling of comfort that you that's really special and amazing. You're gonna make me cry. You're gonna make me cry right now. <laughs> well, thankfully, this is happy I had times. My, <laughs> thankfully, I had my tear ducts sewed up, so so clothes, so I I I I can't cry. Uh, oh well, I was like I said, bawling like yeah, a it was baby. I so good. I think Ryan Murphy was trying to make up for when he used home in Glee, as I mentioned in the episode. Oh, and you, you you know what's really interesting? I only watched one episode of Glee. And was it that episode? No, it was the pilot. And I never went back. I mean, you're going to hate it. You know what's interesting about Ryan Murphy is, like, I know he understands camp, but glee was a type of camp that i just didn't enjoy it just didn't it didn't vibe with me but then he did like scream queens which i lived for right i mean we could do a you and i could do a whole ryan murphy podcast 100 because from running with scissors to his current vernacular it's it's there's so much but we just went on a whole tangent that it's probably going to get cut Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Cut but it was it. great. It's a great but combo between us. So, what do we have next? So, up next, we have the best, not simply the best, as I mistitled it. Until you brought that up in the in the podcast, I didn't realize I always call it simply the best because it's Tina, and that's the name of her album. Yeah, I didn't know that that was the name of the song, and I didn't realize it was a cover. Although I should have known. It's almost the same as when when you mentioned that. Nina Simone didn't do the cover for I Put a Spell on You, which I forget. She just made it iconic. <laughs> she did. Well, did Bet make it iconic too? When I think of I Put a Spell on You, I think of Nina Simone, and then I think of Bet. That's just me personally. So when I think of the best, I think of Tina Turner, and then I think mm. of this clip. <laughs> so I brought back B-Way Show. Because she and she was on my Life as a Cabaret episode where we talked about Schitt's Creek doing cabaret. And of course I had to Which invite her back. Which brilliant, by the way. I have to say that Schitt's Creek Cabaret is some of the best storytelling. It was almost as if the whole season was written as like a musical, kind of, in a weird way. Like the, it was constructed that way. Like we're all building up to this event. But let's listen to my thoughts on the best with B-Way Show or Shoshana. Either one. <laughs> Both are great. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Oh, my God. So you were such a great guest. And because the polls wanted the best to win, I was just like, you have to come back on and talk about it. Because, I mean, continuity for this for this podcast. Gotta. Gotta have it. So first and foremost, how much do you love this episode? I am simply obsessed with simply the best. Open oh, mic. Oh, you went there. <laughs> oh, we will be going there all day, honey. All day. Okay, so let's just do some background real quick. Yes. So we're talking about the best, which was featured in Shits Creek season four, episode six, open mic. Or first, it was yes. in that. Um, that episode was written by Dan Le- uh, Levy. 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 We went Levy. over this we last time. We went over time. this. Chevy <laughs> Levy. Written by Dan Levy and Becca Kohler. Uh, directed by Bruce McCullough. And it 
originally aired February 27th, 2018, 10 days after my birthday. Hello. Hey. And the best, not simply the best. Oh. That's a different thing entirely. (laughs) The song is called The Best. It's written by Mike Chapman and Holly Knight, originally recorded by Bonnie Tyler in 1988, which then Tina Turner covered it in 1989 and made it like what it is yeah thank Um, you for the background yeah uh and mike chapman wrote a lot for blondie and he also wrote a little known song called mickey and (laughs) and oh yeah and uh like looking at holly knight's like list of artists on wikipedia there's just a ton of them like she wrote for she wrote a bunch of songs for tina turner pat benatar bonnie tyler and the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on. But simply the best is the simply name. Simply the best. That's the name of Tina Turner's greatest hits album. Oh. So the song is called The Best. The best. But everyone calls it simply the best because that's, <laughs> that's because the, that's what the words are. <laughs> right. But I appreciate knowing this background and being able to call a title this the true title because words are important yes because um if you add simply isn't that like a mandela effect or something because it doesn't exist like that (laughs) oh right because everyone thinks yeah or it's or well it's just misquoted it's just being misquoted Gave you a little wicked reference there. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, yes. Shit's Creek. Obviously, Shit's you Creek. love it because we've established that so many Truly episodes ago. Obsessed. This happens around the time uh, Rose Apothecary is open. Mm-hmm. It's doing well, right? It's yeah. It, it was doing well. I'll give you because I just rewatched. So I'm going to give you the like quick little spark notes of Schitt's Creek Rose Apothecary, which I'm actually wearing a Rose Apothecary shirt right now, which the readers can't see right now via the podcast. But you it's can more for me, for you, <laughs> for you and for me. So the they started off doing really well. They had some booze. They had some like fun giveaways and, you know, like discounts for the opening. And then this episode starts with Patrick looking at David being like, so this isn't working so well in terms of we don't have customers. We need to do something to spark interest. We need booze. We need something fun, like maybe an open mic night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in in terms of their relationship, they're like... <laughs> strong together they're not engaged yet not yet but they're so cute i love them i mean adding nora reed to the cast was just (laughs) it was simply the best it was simply the best that 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 man can sing i want him in a musical movie toot sweet maybe maybe like canada the musical or whatever (laughs) because Yeah, every time, I mean, we will talk about it throughout this episode, but truly anytime he starts to sing, you're like, oh, this buttery voice is magical. And I listened to that number, like you can, they've exported that song as just a song without the interruptions and whatever. So you can find it on Spotify or wherever. Yes, it turns out when that came out, it reached 
uh, it was a top 10 single on iTunes Canada for about a month. Wow, look at that. You and the facts. I know, I did some facts. But like, I couldn't find, I was just wondering, you know, do you think that this was like the first song that they picked for it? Or w- mm. was there like a, a, do you think that there would be a better song for this moment? See, I I couldn't think of a better song for this moment, especially given how then David does a dance later on. And then also at the wedding, they bring it up. Like we've got three of the best. And so I think, I I just think it's such a perfect way to start with Noah Reed's version being this beautiful acoustic and then David's big dance number. And then the, the acapella version. Oh, uh, uh, shoot me with like, <laughs> with like romance or whatever. Cause that's so cute. I, I'm crying. You're crying. Moira's crying. Everyone's crying. Tears. What, why are my eyes wet? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> what are emotions? Uh, what are they? <laughs> but like, I couldn't find anything to see if there was like other options. Right. Uh, originally. Interesting. Um, Do you have any thoughts? Well, so this happened, I, I believe this episode happened or this season was dropped around the same time that Black Mirror had used Heaven on Earth. Oh. So the San Junipero episode of Black Mirror is what I'm referencing. Where, it's been a long time since I've seen that. Where it's two women living out their fantasy within a dream-like machine <gasps> yes now i'm remember you're like sparking uh, you're fanning yeah. a spark into a flame uh like i think shows are trying to make a single happen out of a song mm. uh or like revive certain songs i feel like with the masses it became popular again mm. and so personally i'm gonna I- i'm gonna say something that may end oh. our friendship oh I like the San Junipero episode more than I do like this one because of how they use the song. Wow. This is, I can't believe you invite me over on your podcast to talk (laughs) about this episode. And then you're like, but actually. (laughs) However, in this episode, that moment before he sings where Moira and David plan like an escape route or whatever Mm -hmm. is so funny. And then he sings and (laughs) And, you know, Moira just looks at him like, you got a winner. Like, totally. do not lose him. <laughs> you you cannot lose him. No, it's so beautiful. It's like what you always dream about is someone with this sultry voice to actually sing to you, looking in your eyes. Like, I was crying watching it, and I've seen it a million times. I know. It hits the right, like, hopeless romantic part mm. of me. Yeah. Where I'm just like, I want someone to sing to me as much as <laughs> this happens. Yes. You know, it's so beautiful. And you know what? I'm going to... One other thought that I had while watching this is, you know, they they always have those moments where, like, Jocelyn, like, where the shits are talking about their baby gender, which, like, is a whole thing anyway, because gender reveals this was obviously not one of those like big problematic ones that start fires but still like you know we should find a better way to talk about gender and not putting all these like norms and and pressure on kids to be whatever anyway that's a whole thing so especially in a show like this where it's talking about like 
gender fluidity and pansexual and it's it's great it it's helped me a lot understand these things but in this moment where patrick is singing this beautiful number to david and then roland they they come up and they interrupt and they're like it's a boy and then i know moira goes well my boy is being whatever she serenaded or serenaded yeah exactly i'm like i understand why they did that to like break it up and to put it all together as this kind of like cohesive storyline but i'm also like can we just stay on this beautiful moment between patrick and david please and thank you And, like, to bounce off of that, the roses are, like, very progressive in terms of accepting love, like, love is love and all that. And the fact that, like, it could have gone the other way so fast Mm. that they didn't do that. It's just, it's just, like, David's story is what a lot of, like, queer people, (laughs) the LGBT community, that's what they want. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I love... I love that the story is a, a happy ending, that we get a positive. <laughs> I love that it's a positive story about queer love and also the progress that this family makes in so many different ways of being this rich white family and finding themselves in this situation. Situation. No. Situation. Situation. <laughs> we're, calling, we're doing we're it. We're doing it. We're coining it. <laughs> And to see their progress and like you're saying, the acceptance of their love is beautiful. And I think that a lot of people who are going through a similar situation or situation in their own lives, (laughs) it's really nice to see a story where it feels more real, right? Like that the parents are trying to figure it out, like, what does this mean? for my kids and how can I be supportive? And I'm also maybe a little nervous, but I'm, I want to show that I am supportive. And then to have like, even just this moment that leads from open mic night of singing the best to the David Rose dancing, singing apology, the olive branch, if you will, to that, you know, like, and then they get married and then you, you hear the, the song. It just, it's this beautiful storyline of, Yes, you know, we can grow as people, we can have a positive story about queer love, and it can be that, it can be an olive branch to the queer community to be like, you can feel the love, you can be accepted, let's be this together, and I think that's so beautiful. Do you think, ooh, excuse me, let me go through puberty for a second. (laughs) We accept you as you are. (laughs) So, um, to kind of shift gears on you, when they do the acapella version though, uh, of the song, do you think that's them singing it or that's a, those are like studio oh. singers or something? That's interesting. I, I think or it's Or like them. a mix. Yeah, maybe it's a mix, but I do think that they probably hired people who could sing and therefore throughout whenever the jazz girls are singing, I think it's them. I don't know. I haven't looked into it. So this is simply my understanding of it, but I wouldn't be surprised if, and I think I saw some added jazz girls at the wedding. So maybe they like specifically brought in other really talented singers as backup. Just a thought. I want that version of it. Oh, it's awesome. It's so beautiful. Is it available? 
I, you know, I don't know. Cause I, I watched all three episodes today just to kind of make sure I, I was in the best mindset. Show. I don't know if you remember this, but like, this all came about a few months ago where I created polls for people to vote and they were on my social media and everything. I do recall. And I was in charge of the bracket because I am, I am. (laughs) So Schitt's Creek like beat, obviously beat everything out, but Mm -hmm. in the quarterfinals, nope, semifinals. Okay. That's the right term. Uh, it, it went against Agatha all along. <gasps> oh, I remember this. In your opinion, <laughs> what, again, I mean, we can speculate all we want. Why do you think, though, simply the best beat Agatha all along? It's mm, a good question. I mean, I should also comment that Agatha all along is one of my favorite moments in cinematic and TV history. It was so brilliant. I love WandaVision. So I just have to say that I equally love these moments for very different reasons. I think that my show Trions, which is the B-Way show Patreon squad, wanted to hear me on the podcast again. So that's probably why. <laughs> that could be it. That could be it. I mean, I don't know who I would have gotten for the WandaVision. I Maybe. know. I don't know. I mean, I, I could have also done that because I'm obsessed with that show. <laughs> but in the, so in the semifinals, it was those two. And then it was... Pino Noir versus Let's Go to the Mall, which <laughs> oh Pino Noir won. So the finals were between the best and Pino Noir. And at that point, I was just like, I know what's going to win. <laughs> I mean, that's also a great moment. It is. But like when uh, the best beat like the hot song of the moment. True, true, true. Which was that's Agatha true. all along. I was just like, there's no way. Do you have any like things that yeah. you want to like? talk about with this song yeah let's yeah let's dive deeper let's dive deeper in our npr uh, NPR voices i just i i think this moment was beautiful in so so many reasons and let me tell you why so we've got david rose performed by dan levy who's this very vulnerable character who actively thinks that this open mic night is such a bad idea that he's apparently never heard Noah sing before because if he had heard his partner's voice, he would not be as nervous as he was leading up to this moment. But, you know, I could imagine someone being like, oh, are you sure you really want to sing? And they have that whole joke about like, oh, I'm going to sing an original song. And <laughs> and David's like, no, please, no. And then Patrick's like, no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm going to sing a classic. And David's like classic. And I just, I love their chemistry. It's so beautiful. I'm, you know what? Now thinking about it, I asked you earlier about like another song. Why wouldn't he pick a Mariah song? I mean, also, we know that their love for that, for Mariah, that's interesting. Maybe because he loved her, he loves her so much that it was, it, it would be too much. Unless, um, I, I mean, I don't know Mariah's catalog off the top of my head. True. So unless they couldn't find a song that like. Fit the registry. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I feel like that would have been like the the chef's kiss icing on the cake, you know. That's a good point. Um, like the prove how much he loves David. He's like, I'm right. going to sing you 
one a song from your favorite artist and you're gonna fucking love it (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna fucking love it let me just tell you (laughs) because like yeah that's a good point i you know now that you're bringing it up like i do think the song is beautiful and perfect but knowing the love for mariah carey you're right that would have been a really nice chef's kiss yeah but like i get i don't know if they could get clearance for it or right there are so many music rights that we don't even know about yeah so i'm not mad i'm I'm not saying (laughs) the best is the word is that is doesn't fit this i'm just like playing devil's advocate show trions please don't like come at me (laughs) can you imagine there's a whole petition there's a campaign no (laughs) i'm canceled (laughs) oh no well i think that if there is i know dan levy's talked about like he doesn't want to have a reunion type of episode anytime soon but maybe like 10 years down the line or whatever it is it would be so cute if they did maybe like a mashup of simply the best and a mariah song i would be all on board you were talking earlier about they like the character david being a little concerned about patrick singing mm-hmm. this is really the first time we hear him sing correct exactly I yeah i think so because then from here he does little ditties every once in a while and then we have cabaret of course yes where we where you can listen to our past episode talking about that whole <laughs> episode and, and our love for it <laughs> oh please do i like the downloads um yes do it listen but i again i wouldn't be surprised if noah reed shows up in a musical movie or I another love musical Noah's voice. Type thing yeah i love it i love it i love and i think it's also really nice as a character and as an actor to be able to show the versatility of this open mic performance of the best and then also cabaret and just how different those characters are and how beautifully he performed both of them yeah because he got the raunchiness yeah in cabaret which i don't think i said that in the episode I didn't. <laughs> i'm pretty sure i didn't but like he has like a the sweet voice for mm-hmm. the uh open mic He's so good. I I want a Patrick. (laughs) I know. I know. I also could totally see him in, like, starring in Once. I feel like he would be perfect for that. I don't know. I feel like I want to see him in an original. Let me just make the record clear here. I love originals. And I would always want to see a new musical with new people and expanding on all of that. Yes, please. Or a giant spectacle Moulin Rouge style movie. Like, oh, interesting. A, either an original or just like him belting his face off in a spectacle. Or it's, <laughs> or it's a combination of the two. Like, <laughs> or we could get one that's a musical and then they make it in a movie or vice versa. Any last words on The Best and Schitt's Creek? Yes. Yeah, I do want to like take a few moments to really talk about the performances a little deeper. I just I think that Noah totally embodies this song and this number so beautifully because he understands how nervous David is. And so he he has this cheekiness about him like don't don't worry. I'm going to nail it. It's going to be great and you're going to fall in love with me even more. And he has these moments where he looks at David throughout the song and he's just singing with this buttery voice and they just connect even deeper. And I love 
the kind of nuance and the layers to the performance that it's not just a beautiful performance, which it is. It's also like a, you can trust me performance. We can, this can be our relationship to take it to the next level because you can see that we can do scary things and it'll be okay because we have each other. So when David is dancing and lip syncing to the best. It's showing a love language that David knows that this would be important to Patrick to share this moment and then the call back to the same song. It's just so beautiful. And it solidifies that it's their quote song. Yes, exactly. And then moving forward, it just makes sense that it would be it would play at some point at their wedding so beautiful i just love how they intertwine that and i highly recommend what i did today to everyone which is watching all three of those episodes with the best and the only tough thing is that then the next episode starts playing and you're like oh wait no i have a very specific mission of only watching these three episodes and i'm getting like halfway through the next episode i'm like oh no i got to i got to stay on task because i will just rewatch all of shit's creek <laughs> just like that <laughs> i mean let's be honest just rewatch shit's creek like i mean also I'm, that wouldn't be the worst thing <laughs> that wouldn't be the worst thing but if you want to just just to like be on the same level of as us you know just do the highlights I think we've come to the end because we're spiraling. We're spiraling. Uh, do you have anything you want to like plug or promote? I sure hope you do. <laughs> Always. Yes. You, you can find me at B-Way Show. That's B-W-A-Y-S-H-O. Like Broadway Show. Shauna, that's me. You can find me on all social media plus B-Way Show, the podcast, which you mentioned earlier. And if you're looking to hire a photographer, videographer, reporter of any sort, you can contact me and I would love to cover your event. You can message me bwayshow at gmail.com or message me through social media. And I would love to join your team. And I'm covering SheNYC. I'm their photographer. SheNYC is wonderful. They have a great theater festival coming up right now. SheNYC, SheLA, SheATL. And you can also find me on Patreon. We were talking about that earlier, but there's the B-Way Show Patreon squad. And that helps me do everything I'm doing, getting more content for you. We get exclusive video, exclusive giveaways and raffles. So come check it out. And it helps her pay rent. (laughs) And it helps me survive in the greatest city in the world. In the greatest city in the world. Awesome. Well show (laughs) that's me thank you so much for popping back on and talking about schitt's creek i don't think there's any other musical moments in schitt's creek so we'll have to have you come back and talk about something else dun 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 (laughs) well thank you so much for having me back on i love talking about this and i love having any reason to come chat with you it's been a true pleasure no it's been so much fun so much fun uh there is no real sign off so i'm just gonna stop the recording now okay (laughs) amazing she brought up a lot of great points that i didn't really think about what were they well how like the song was used throughout the series where i forgot about that actually but like the wedding how unapologetically queer it was too because like there was a, the, the light choir at the wedding at the wedding right which is so like camp over the top 
Bear, I mean, but Bear, it, it, it's it's kind of the release of Camp because, and I don't know if that's a thing, but it was actually emotion. I I felt emotional when I heard that at the wedding. Well, it was, it was like yes. when when he, when he did it in the in the store. Like you're like, oh, that's so fucking cute. That's adorable, and like I'm so. And it's a, it was it was a big moment for him for him, and but there's another moment too that I'm not thinking of right now that that. So there's there's the one yeah. that we just talked about where it's him singing at the open mic. Yeah. And then there's the one where David uh lip syncs and dances. That's what I'm that's actually what Gina. I'm thinking of. That's that's why I'm yeah. I'm actually I was referencing prior. And then we have the third the third and final time, which is at their wedding, which I guess I'm gonna retract my statement saying it was camp. So what did you think of the winners? I I think well first of all the the listeners of this podcast are brilliant and they chose the right stuff. They did. Uh, that that these these are definitely gems in in the non okay let me, let me get this right musical the moments non, musical moments in non in not musical non musicals and non musicals yes yeah yeah uh, we talked about how Schitt's Creek and Pose also use other songs in their series but like they're they're not like glee zoe's extraordinary playlist crazy ex-girlfriend cop rock uh i could go on and on did you do cop cop rock i have not done cop rock yet listen i i i can't i can't believe that that thing existed but what a genius piece of work that was i i'm waiting for somebody to pick it because i want to watch it so did you pick these I I definitely picked Hocus Pocus, uh, and I believe I picked Home. I did not pick the other two. Uh, I, I, I'm glad to be proven wrong. That's the only time you'll ever hear me say that. Oh, and it's on record, everyone. On record. And, you know, when the day comes, I'll make you delete this episode. Hooray! <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> what? Huh? What? Huh? Uh, Ooh. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to plug or promote? Well, I have many people I would like to plug, but if, for me, uh, I've <laughs> and you mean kill, right? <laughs> uh, I, I I I have my podcast J and A R Gay. Uh, Look us up on Instagram and on wherever you find podcasts, and always remember that I am on Scruff and available to be flirted with. Uh, call like. Just shoot me a message. Tell me I'm pretty for for fuck's sake so I can just stay happy. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. And if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you can email me at buttasongpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at buttasongpod. And Jason, you come back next episode. I do. Because we're back to the regular scheduled programming of talking about one musical movie and or tv show and we mm-hmm. are talking about hello again listen i and 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 i think we could have done three episodes on hello again maybe we will because there's i i there's i, so I, much I to really unpack. enjoy talking about it and audra like audra anything audra does i can talk about for years <laughs> years She's great in that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to don't want to spoil the conversation, but like maybe if you have if you the listener have not seen it, you should. 
It's available. Yeah, it's available everywhere. on Amazon Prime. Is that how we watched it? Sure. I think it is. I don't remember. I don't remember. But it's my, hello my, my again. It's poor. It's I drink. Uh, <laughs> it's not the oh, Shelley Long movie. It's the 2017 the movie with wow. Martha Plimpton and Audra McDonald. So oh, I love Martha Plimpton. and a whole slew of other people. Shiny but Jackson uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's. Uh, God, now I want to rewatch that movie. Even though we re- we already recorded the episode, I want to rewatch it. <laughs> we have we have the time. So we let's go. Technology. Let's go rewatch that movie. Let's go rewatch it. Come on, right. let's go. Thank you, everyone, so much for the past fifty <laughs> episodes, forty-nine episodes. Woohoo! I should say. Aww. And here's to fifty more. Roar. Roar from the crowd. <sighs> All right. Bye for now, everyone. Bye, everybody. Find me on Scruff. Bye. <laughs> Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day. <laughs>